You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 263 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's been happening in Gina world? Oh, so you know how I was telling you about Alexa? Yes. The chick that's moved into my house. <laughs> yes, 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 Alexa. And I'm a bit nervous about her conspiring yes. with the toaster and the microwave. Yes. So, yeah. Um... So I'm being really nice to her so that she won't, like, start a, like some sort of um, rebellion, right? Okay, yeah. And so, yes, a couple of nights ago I uh, got her to turn the, the lights off, which she oh, did. Yes. And, um, then, and then I'm like, actually, Did you have to install special lights for that? Yeah, yeah, you get a globe. Yeah. They're like smart globes that you mm. just put in your lights. So and, it's And something so in the globe talks to Alexa. Yes, yeah, they're okay. connected. It's like okay. the same way that a um, speed light and a camera can talk yeah. to each other, yeah. right? So okay. it's the same sort of thing. They've got their own little uh, wavelength that they chat to each other on. Mm. So I thought I should say goodnight to her. <laughs> okay. So I said goodnight, Alexa, and she's like, goodnight, sleep well. It oh, creeped me out. I couldn't sleep. God. <laughs> so the next night I'm oh. like – I hope she just says the same thing. I'll just test. And I'm like, good night, Alexa. And she's like, good night. If you can't sleep, just ask me. I've got ways to help you. Oh, my God. I think I need to unplug her. <gasps> she's freaking me out. That's You're just living in an episode of Black Mirror. Isn't it? Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I had a Google Home, but I unhooked Google Home. It creeped you out, didn't it? Well, I'm convinced that they do hear everything. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Because it's just weird that you would talk about a song that you've never talked about in your life and suddenly it's on Spotify. Oh, no, that's 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 a known thing that, that mm. yeah, it does. it Because you can, um, you can test it with your um, smartphone. Sure. Just mention something like something random. Say it out loud and uh, have a look at your Facebook feed and your um, oh, yeah. search history. So you could you could say, um, "Oh my God, Fabergé eggs, fantastic!" Something you've never talked about before. Yeah, I just okay. pulled that out because there's like no way I would ever ever discuss Fabergé eggs. Okay, um, amazing Fabergé eggs, Fabergé eggs. Have a look at your Facebook feed. Okay. Yes. No, I believe you. I, I, the stuff that's on my Facebook feed sometimes is like, really? How? Yeah. Anyway. Conspiracy. This, this is an episode of uh, conspiracy yeah. theories. <laughs> <laughs> so you might unplug Alexa. Okay. Good. Yeah. I think that that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, because I unplugged yeah Google uh, ages ago. I feel a lot better. And if this was Black Mirror, I'd unplug her and then 
She'd I, come alive it, again. Yes. Yeah. Because the toaster mm. plugged her back in. Exactly. <laughs> I'm actually um, quite spooked now. Oh, Thanks. my God, Gina. Sitting here in the dark. <laughs> what else has been happening? Um, oh, we just did the Ask Me Anything, so yes, Facebook Live. For the which gold was, community. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, so many fantastic questions. We talked about uh, marketing and um, pricing and mm. speed lights and modifiers. It was fantastic. I, I love doing I love doing the um, AMAs now and, you know, through Facebook Live. It's fantastic. Great way to chat to everyone. And, of course, if you want to find out more about how you can be part of the Gold community and be able to tap into Gina's brilliance and advice and mentorship, have a listen to this. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the Gold community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Natalie Finney why she joined. I think the point at which I decided to turn it into a business was um, – when I actually had been listening to the podcast for a while yeah. and I, I took I took the plunge and joined the Gold Community without knowing too much about it. And it yeah. was at, right at that point that I said, oh, I think I really think I could do something with this. Certainly um, in terms of learning for me and technical ability, um, I have gotten so much value out of workshops online and the gold community obviously all the tutorials that I have access to um, has been like completely invaluable to to me and my learning I I have you know I've had some um, you know done some reading books and so and so but yeah I think um yeah, online online workshops and and tu- and watching tutorials, watching for example, you, you know, you going through um, photo shoots and um, explaining how you know why are, why you would do this or why you wouldn't necessarily choose that setting and um, all of that has been like yeah, an absolute world of wonder for me. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's episode, and we're talking to Peter Foote. Peter is such a cool guy. He's um, a photographer based in Sydney, but one of the things I think he's awesome, uh, you know, one of the reasons I think he's awesome is he's got a really cute cat, (laughs) and uh, his cat's got her own Instagram. I think it's Lily the Indulgence Kitty, and I just love all the shots of, um, of, of his cat. Anyway, but you can tell us more about Peter as a photographer. He's also a fantastic photographer and he's one of the uh, early listeners to the podcast. Yeah. So he's been part of the community for years and years and years and I've also actually um, worked with Peter. He came out on a shoot that I was doing uh, in Sydney and so I got to know him then. But the reason I the, – one of the things I love about Peter is he's one of my favourite MacGyvers. Well, I've got a few in the uh, podcast community uh, but Peter often comes up with some amazing Amazing ideas, and I noticed over the last uh, couple of years that mm. Peter was actually fitting out his garage and turning it into a home studio. Love it, right? And he's a master at Mac- MacGyvering stuff, mm. and um, 
In this episode, I, I got him to uh, share how he turned a two-car like garage manshed. So you can imagine it was full of paint and tools and you know um, all that sort of guff into a beautiful home studio, and it actually now looks like a high-end luxury uh, hotel suite or a, you know a luxury cottage. Get this, mm-hmm. the final cost of the renovation, including like timber floors and the windows and the furniture, mm-hmm. a chandelier, Val. Mm, it's a I chandelier. Love chand- I like chandeliers, yeah. Less than 1400 US. Fantastic. That's I know. brilliant. I and know. there's some pictures actually. It's at Lily the Indulgence Kitten. And Lily takes us on a little bit of a tour of this, of this studio. It's good. <laughs> and so... In this episode, he'll walk us through how he planned the space yeah, uh, and then what he does, how he saved, and it's like thousands and thousands and thousands on building materials and the studio gear. He's got so many fantastic uh, tips, you know, the stuff he got right, the stuff he wishes he could do again, mm. and, you know, little the, – the, you'll hear me, you'll hear the, my big aha moments when he talks about how you can actually renovate – the uh, a couch without having it reupholstered. He's got this fantastic hack for that, Love it. and a couple of other fantastic MacGyver tips for you know turning your uh, windows, you know, plain old clear glass windows into beautiful soft diffuse light. Lots of great tips. Shall we have a listen? Absolutely. Let's have a listen to Peter Foot. Peter Foot, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hi, Gina. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, now, I'm so excited to chat to you. You've been, uh, I think, a listener from the start of So You Want to Be a Photographer uh, and a uh, very engaged member of the community. Is that right? Have you been listening for like the last five years or so? I Did think you come I early? picked up the podcast on the third episode. Fantastic. And you and I got to work together a few years ago. You came on and uh, came on a shoot that I was doing and uh, helped me out. You were my voice-activated light stand. I was. <laughs> and that's where we, uh, we, we did the uh, – I think I taught you about puppies and kittens. It to... was, and I still use it to this day. Do you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you want to just tell the listeners uh, about that, like what you, what you learned from that? Um, I recall it was a, a young girl. Uh, I said she was maybe seventeen. Yeah, and she wanted to be fierce. Yes, and all she wanted to be was fierce. But she was the cutest young thing, and it really didn't fit. And so Gina was like, um, "Take me on a trip. Take me on holidays. Take me here. Trying to get it to lighten up, but a little softly." And then she says, "Okay, imagine." A basket of kittens, <laughs> a basket of puppies, puppies and kittens, puppies and kittens, puppies and kittens. And this little girl's face just softened and softened and softened until, you know, she just melted. And and I use it all the time. I'll even use it on guys. Oh, puppies and kittens to soften <laughs> their face. But I use like Labradors or, or baby Rottweilers to make yeah, it a yeah. bit more butch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because everyone has this sort of... um. I don't know, Instagram face that they mm. put on and they feel like they need to be fierce or sexy looking. And for this yeah. girl, uh, this was I was shooting a, a cover of a book and I needed her to be girl next door. 
you know, and I'm saying that girl next door and it didn't register. So yeah, puppies and kittens just to soften her and uh, bring her back to girl next door level. It was, uh, yeah. it worked really well. Uh, now, uh, recently uh, you posted a beautiful wedding image that you shot in, in the um, podcast Facebook group. Uh, amazing shot. And so mostly uh, what are you doing? You're doing weddings and... Wedding, boudoir and a little bit of commercial work as well. And you're based in Sydney. In Sydney. Yeah, fantastic. And so how long have you been shooting for, Peter? That's a funny question. Sort of forever. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a, a photographer as a hobby, and he used to do a little bit of freelance work to sort of you know pay for film and stuff like that. So it's always around cameras. Mm. Um, before we went to school camp, I was the one with the little rangefinder camera <laughs> instead of the, the Kodak Instamatic. Yeah. So it was always there, but it was never, it never stuck, mm. if you like. And um, years and years go by, and you start a family. And I said to the wife, "We haven't got any really good pictures of the kids. We should get a camera, like a real camera." And so for my birthday, she bought me a little Canon entry level DSLR. And like you, wow, my photos are in focus. <laughs> they're sharp. Not knowing they were horrible, but they were sharp. Yeah. And uh, me being the type of guy I am, I'm like all or nothing. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Yeah. So I dived in. And that camera spawned some lenses and some lights and then more cameras and then better cameras. And then people ask you to shoot their birthday and, uh, can you do our christening and oh, we want some family photos and that sort of stuff happens and then you get more gear and then fortunately or unfortunately I was made redundant for my job I said well here we go we uh, we either make it or we go broke trying right and now I'm a full-time photographer fantastic and and so were you you didn't go out and just buy all the gear you needed. You you were a bit frugal with that, and so you started with the entry level. And, and so how was the gear acquisition for you? Did, it Was it on a need more basis? Look, I was the, the typical guy that started and fell for all the ads and bought all the stupid flash modifiers mm. and the cheap light stands and you know, all sorts of all manner of rubbish and then found out none of this really made me any better. Mm. I should probably find out what I'm doing wrong. And um, so you study, you listen to podcasts like yours, and you mm. watch the, the YouTube videos, and you read magazines and books, and you find out, ah, oh, that's why every now and again one of my shots works. It's because you actually have to do stuff. Yeah. And that was you know, really enlightening. And then I just, I just ran with it, and now I can't imagine not being a photographer. No. You, you often get asked, you probably get asked, what will you do when you retire? What? What, what do you mean retire? What's that? Yeah, what's retire? From what? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, take photos? Yeah. I don't ever want to retire. No. I can't think of a day where I'm not shooting. It doesn't make sense to me. No. Mm. So... The reason I got you on the show, Peter, is I noticed over the last, I think, maybe year or so, you've created a beautiful home studio for yourself. Thank you. What was the decision to do that? Why, why did you decide to have your own place rather than working out of other studios? 
Okay, what happened? I stumbled across a guy selling a studio strobe and a bunch of soft boxes and stands and all this stuff on eBay, and it was $225. What? Yeah, 600-watt strobe and all this stuff. I said to my wife, Mylene, I said, I've got to get that. Yeah. She said, what for? I said, I don't know. <laughs> but i just got to get it. I'm, on yeah. my, I'm going to get it. Oh, God, she does the eye roll. So I went and got it. Thought, well, now I've got this thing. I better take photos of someone. So I lined up a couple of models and cleared out the dining room and put up a background and, and shot. And it was, oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And I did it again and again and again. And I got sick of packing up the, the dining room. Right. So my double garage was a filthy, dirty workshop with a project car that was never going to get finished. And uh, so, uh, well, I'm not going to keep packing up. I'm never going to finish this car. So let's make the best of everything and build a very basic studio. And again, I'm not the kind of person that does anything half-assed. <laughs> so I just started. I think that's an Aussie slang term, half-assed. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just started shopping and looking and what can I get for free? What can I get cheap? What can I get done as favours? You know, what are people throwing away? And uh, we ended up with a pretty nice little room for mm. not a great deal of money. Yeah, so you've got a, like a lot of uh, progress shots that you've sent me and I'll make sure they're in the show notes so you can find those at ginamilitia.com. The, um, the process of building, so you've got this space, double garage, brick, right, concrete yeah. floor. Did you yeah. look at the space and in terms of researching how you wanted your studio to look, wh where were you looking for inspiration? I actually jumped on Pinterest yep. and looked at home studios yep. and sort of picked ideas out of that that might work for me and uh, yeah, just slowly evolved. I did a few things that I probably wouldn't have done looking back, mm. um, but, you know, it was never a great loss. Most things in there, like I've got the floor, um, somebody, <laughs> you've got to be ready to jump and you need a trailer or a ute or a truck or a, a pickup truck or something on hand to grab this stuff. Right, because uh, you, didn't, uh, you didn't go out and hire a builder and to project manage the whole thing because that costs big bucks. You, you wanted to do this bucks. yourself and yeah. you wanted to do this as frugally as possible. So it is, So you have a ute? I have a trailer. A trailer. This is a ute, I think, is another Aussie slang. Yeah. Just have to have like subtitles. A, like El Camino. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be and, the closest thing to a ute. Yeah. So you, so you were able to go and get stuff because often um, what happens on secondhand sites, where, where are you looking? You're looking on Facebook, buy the swap. Facebook or, Marketplace, yep, yep. eBay, Gumtree. Yep. Just ask around, talk to builders. Yep. Have you, have you got any scraps laying around? And they'll often just let you come and pick up scraps so they don't have to deal with it. So they're not having to pay to have stuff removed. And often, exactly. And often when people are demolishing houses, they might have windows and things like that yeah. or, and people doors. People moving house are great. Yep. Because they, they've realised they've, you know, they've got a big pile of crap laying around. But if you can take their problem away, they're more than happy to just let you have it. Yep. So, so the garage itself, it's a, it, it's a double garage. So that means it, it had two roller doors. Mm -hmm. And 
Was that the only light source that came into that garage from the roller doors? There's a, a side window, but the light is terrible and right. it only lasts about 40 minutes. Okay, so was there any – because I can tell you that I think looking back and I've fitted out maybe three or four studios and I've done them on the cheap and then I've done them having builders come in and help. Um, Aside from uh, being able to save money, I think the one mistake I did on the first two big fit-outs is not sitting in the space long enough and understanding the light in the space. So Mm -hmm. not not, – and these were larger studios, but I wish – and if I did it again, what I would do is maybe spend a couple of months in that space without putting any offices or um, walls up and just learn about the light in that space. That would be a good idea. Mm. Yeah, so I didn't have any really good light coming in. Yep. Um, the garage doors face south. Yeah. So it's it's there, but it's not fantastic. Yeah. Um, so before now, I always just shot with studio strobes. Yeah. Um, also because it kind of felt like a real studio photographer. Uh-huh. I had four strobes set up. Yeah. And and it looks cool. And people, oh, wow, you, you you got lots of stuff. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Did it really make a difference? Probably not. And so um, – di- did you think like now as you're in the space, have you found better light? Have you added windows or? Well, now I see that I got a hundred and something year old window from um, an old, a guy that had renovated an old barn, mm. Emu Plains, which is at the base of the Blue Mountains. Right. In New South Wales. Um, he put that up for, oh, it was about a hundred dollars. So I've got that. I brought that home in the trailer. Yeah. And uh, it it sat for. So you got to be. You also have to have a very understanding wife. Uh huh. That will let you store stuff around the house that looks like piles of builders rubble. Right. Because <laughs> it, uh, it was a, a year of you know our property looked like a builder's yard for a year basically. Yeah. Because I couldn't just go and drop ten fifteen thousand dollars on building no. equipment it, all in one go. No. So you do a little bit by a little bit. I picked up some French doors off a, a family on the other side. It's always on the other side of town. Of course. It's never of the course. next suburb. Uh, never. Yeah. Uh, um, they had some French doors um, under their house and they were moving. Uh, he says the, the real estate said I have to make them go away. So I have to make them go away. So I went and picked up those. And I was just using them as a screen in the studio. And uh, everybody liked it so much. I thought, well, I should probably frame them up. Yes. Well, if I'm going to frame them up, I might as well make a wall. Yes. And if I'm going to make a wall, I'll need a window. So I started shopping for windows. Right. And that one came up. So now I can open the roller doors and I've got big um, two French doors and a fairly large window. And I can now buy window frosting in a can. Oh, fantastic. What's Yeah. Right. So, What's, what is it? Um, made by White Knight, I think. Right. I'll send. I'll send you a picture so, of it. Yeah. I'll, so I'll this is from. A, I'll put it up on the Facebook page. From Bunnings, where dreams Bunnings. come true. 
Yes, of course. Which is our hardware um, hardware store here in Australia. Um, I don't know what the equivalent is in the in the northern hemisphere, but yeah, yeah. they have every. And, I and love my, that place. And my favourite place in the world. Me too. I could spend <laughs> hours there. I'm very happy. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, frosting and uh, th- this is brilliant. I've so never it, heard of it, this. It's essentially made two massive soft boxes in the wall. Amazing. What a great idea. Now, is it permanent? You could scrape it off. I think it scrapes off fairly easy with a razor blade. Yeah. So the other workaround for that if, is if, if you don't want to ruin your windows is to just get um, trace paper. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and pop that up on the windows and then you've got that beautiful diffuse light which would yeah. work as well. So these windows, have you, you've kept the roller doors, right? Kept the roller doors. So are the windows um, on rollers, on casters? No, it actually built the wall into the room. Uh-huh. Um, there's a gap of, yeah, I can squeeze through between the roller door and the wall. Uh-huh. Um, so I've stuck some lights in there as well. So if I'm shooting at night, I've got some floodlights between the roller door and my new wall. Right. That kind of fakes daylight outside. Yeah. And did you ever consider putting these windows on rollers so that you could just move I, the walls around? I, I did, but it's so damn heavy. Right. It'd kill someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wanted the wall to be mobile. Yeah. But um, with litigation the way it is, I thought I better attach it to something. Right. So, so you've made a, a wall, a window wall in front of both wall. the roller doors. So you've got yep. French doors. Through one, yeah, and uh, the 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 cottagey style windows, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like a through the other roller door. Yeah. yeah, so that's two sets that you've got, and and two were sets. you were you conscious of the fact that you wanted to create many different corners in this space I so was. that you can just move around and just talk about that for a minute? How important is it to have? Uh, because if you've just got a square box, it's hard work. You've got to build sets for everyone. So it's very much. So how so, does that workflow, um, do you, when you've got a model coming, and this would be for, say, a boudoir shoot where you yes. wanted to create as many different looks as possible, do you preset everything up? Everything, that the room is set up like a really nice um, studio apartment, if you yep. like. There's a, a, a brand new double bed, uh-huh. which if, if you shop around, you can get a brand new double bed mattress on eBay for 100 bucks. You can. Yeah. And delivered as well. The delivered. um uh yeah. what what is it? What's our um it's not the Brotherhood, what's the St. Vincent Vinnies yeah. uh will also deliver. Mm. So you find your local Vinnies and they'll deliver it for yeah, um for that price as well. Yeah, if this you one, don't have this the one, Ute or the trailer. This one was actually a brand new mattress from a factory. Wow. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. What about the base? The base I made myself. Uh-huh. Um, out of some offcuts of three by two timber and some some plywood. Yep. Because um, it was it was there and I had it, so I'll, I'll use it and it gets covered, so nobody knows it's not a real bed. Um, so there, there's the bed, and then um, I've got a ghost chair. The, 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 the acrylic, plastic, yeah, yeah. The pl- pl- plastic see-through chairs. Yeah, and, some... and that, that's a rip-off of the like the original versions of those oh, cost of thousands, but you can get replica 
um, high-end looking stuff very cheap. And, and it's you can like, get ones that are slightly banged about for 10 bucks each. Exactly. And the thing with these uh, props that you buy or make is in a photo, you can't tell if it's the $50,000 version or the $5 version. And I think that's what I've learned from working in the TV and film industry. Most of the sets are held together with spit elastic bands and gaffer tape right yeah and so nothing when you go up close to things you go jesus this is really dodgy looking but in a photo it'll look high end you don't so you don't need to have all these beautiful um you know original items you just need stuff that looks good in a photo yeah and if you have that really nice good stuff you're going to be worried about it yep and i don't want to worry about things if something gets trashed well i'll get another one so with the walls of the of the um, garage, they were brick, right? Exposed brick. Um, one, the wall with the window with the terrible light was brick. Yep. Um, the other walls were um, gyp rock or, or drywall. Uh huh. Um, but covered in overspray and WD forty and grease and stuff that a man has in his garage. Uh huh. So that all had to be cleaned up. The floor was concrete with a big crack through it. Yeah. Covered in grease and overspray and yeah, all manner of rubbish on the floor. So the first thing was to just clean everything. Yeah, and I think that took two months. Right. To, to just make everything clean. And uh, and this I, is I, not two months working every day. This is whenever you could get out there. You'd yeah, go that, out, that, get that, out there. Yeah, right? that spare time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I painted everything white. Uh huh. Um, again, even your paint. Um. I'm kind of fortunate that I've always my, – my last few jobs, I drove around a lot as a sales manager. Uh-huh. So I would use company time to pick stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I have to go near Chatswood, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so you do that. But even afterwards, if you've got to drive, you, you sort of work out the – I'm not working today anyway. Yeah. It's going to cost me $15 in fuel, but I'm going to save 50 bucks. Might as well do it. So where, buy, what, what kind of paint? Because you can get very, very cheap paint and then you can pay 10 times that price. So well, like, this, what's, was, this was six litres of brand name ceiling white. Yeah. For a dollar. Because? Because the guy that bought too much paint for his job and he found out it was going to cost him $25 to take it to the tip. Right. There you go. And so I, I what? His, that's a I bargain. $25 problem for a dollar. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And so the floor, what, what did you do for that? Uh, the floor was a fellow in North Sydney. Him and his wife had bought a, a little terrace house and they were going to um, pretty much demolish it and renovate it. And uh, but they had to live in it for six months, right? So they put down one of those laminate floors through the, the whole house. Laminate timber look laminate. floors, right? Yeah, they clicked together yeah. floorboards. Yeah. And uh, time came to do the renovations. And he thought, I'd like to get some of the money back on this floor. So I bought fifty meters of fifty square meters of flooring, right? Um, for one hundred and ten dollars. That's a bargain. What would that can, normally cost if you bought that new? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and yep. hundreds of dollars. I don't yep. even know. The caveat was I had to take it up. Ah. <laughs> and how but, hard is that to do? 
Is it a crowbar? That, but you got to be no, careful not no, to split the, it. The, the, no, look, there was so much of it. Every now and again, one suffered a little bit, but it really didn't matter. I've got too much, hmm. way too much. It's not. It was just boring grunt work, crawling around on your knees, stacking up boards and, and taking yep. them out to the car. Yep. But well worth it. Yeah, the floor looks beautiful. And, yeah. and that just really finishes it off as well rather than having yeah. um, concrete. I mean, you could always polish the concrete and seal it, but then it's not it's, – it, that's a certain look, you yeah. know. Yeah, if the, if the rest of the space could complement that sort of New York loft floor, yeah, I would have done that, but I couldn't pull that off. Right. Right, so you've gone for upmarket uh, studio apartment kind of look, you yeah. know, or well, up, upmarket not... loft or something. Our, our bedroom is right above it, and it's nowhere near as nice as the studio. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So did you do little touches like add architraves and things like that? I did. Even that, I got that on the uh, the skirting board. Um, a builder had over-ordered, and oh, I can't remember how much I paid for it, but I got metres and metres and metres, enough um, skirting board to do the studio and one of the rooms in our house. Yeah. $30 or something, a ridiculous amount of money. The, the price of one length. So I'm just Again, having a look at some of the shots there. It does look beautiful. So the um, the wall that's got – it looks like it's got floorboards as the wall. What What's that called? Um, what's that stop? I'm not sure what you – I just call it vertical panelling. Yeah, vertical panelling. Yeah. That's one of the things I couldn't get cheap. So um, I had to buy that brand new at Bunnings. Right. It, uh, there still wasn't a lot of money. All the panelling on that wall probably totaled $200. Yep. Maybe a little over. So you added all the skirtings and the architraves and, and uh, what's the bit, the cornices? What's the bit that goes at the top between the wall and the ceiling? Is it cornice or? Cornice. Oh, yeah, right. Look at me with yeah. my look at you builder, with builder terms. terms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I notice is you've got a beautiful chandelier. Yeah. And that is one that... was actually local. Right. And what'd you pay for that? 40 bucks. 40 bucks. And so a chandelier would be hundreds and hundreds if you bought, and if you try, if you bought crystal, then you're paying more. But this is yeah, obviously it, it, it's glass at glass, least. Yeah, they're glass crystals, and it, it weighs an absolute ton. Right. But yeah, it was local. It came up on the Facebook marketplace. And yeah. It was forty bucks. I said, take take the listing down. I'm on my way. Right. Now, <laughs> this is how you got to be. I'm, I'm on it. Now, yeah. I'm on my way because I've missed out before. I can come tomorrow. Oh, someone said they're coming now. So yeah, just jump on it. And so, what other what other like things did you add into the studio to make it functional? Because I can see you've also got um, roll paper hooks there. Mm -hmm. Did you buy? Yeah. Where did you get those? So there, you've got like a few different rolls of paper there hanging, so you can swap out your backgrounds very quickly. Yeah, if I have to do some headshots or yeah. you know, quick family photos or. You know, Mother's Day pics or something like that. Um, I can pull the bed out of the way, roll them down. I've got a choice of backgrounds. We can quickly set up some lights and do something there. They were from a lady who was a professional photographer for years and years and years. Mm. Um, gave it up to have kids um, and started selling caravans. 
Right. It turns out she loves selling caravans. Yeah. So she let that stuff go. Right. Um, 60 bucks, I think, for three rolls and the brackets and all the stuff. Right. So they're wall-mounted and then that's really quick. And so the bed just um, wheels across the studio to the yeah, other side. Yeah, just put is it across right? the studio and lean it up against the wall and we've got a regular portrait studio ready to go. So with your double garage space size, um, what kind of lenses are you able to comfortably work in that space with? What sort of focal lengths? I can do a tight headshot at 200. Right. Um, a hard, probably, I can do it like, I try not to shoot anything wider than 35. Yep. Um, because you know, you know what happens when you shoot yeah. wider than 35. It's distorting um, everyone, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so between you know, the, the boudoir stuff, I try and shoot between 35. Well, my lens I use on the Sony now is a 28 to 75. Uh-huh. So I use that between 35 and, and 75. Um, but for portraits, I'll use a 70 to 200. Right, and and so with with this whole setup, what what what? How has it made life easier for you to just be able to go downstairs? Oh, look, it's magical. Mm. Uh, you've driven in Sydney, you know what it's like. Yes. If I can avoid driving in Sydney, I will. Yep. Um, I was a professional driver, yeah, for, for many years, and if I never drove again, I'd be happy. It's just not worth it. So if I can have people come here and I've got my own kitchen there, I can make myself a coffee, I can make yep. everyone else a coffee, we go into the studio, it's all nice and clean, it's set up from the night before, we shoot, thanks very much, they leave, I don't even have to clean it up till the next day. Yeah. It's it's so liberating. And that's a great advantage of having your own space is being able to um, just quietly in your own time set up the lighting and tweak and, and experiment as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the, the foam head. Oh, yeah, that you, t- yeah. you test everything out before. Yeah, Sh- Sharon. Oh, Sharon, of course. Shaz to a friend. Shaz, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so in terms of um, – Planning, how much planning went into this studio in advance or is it just like it evolved naturally? More I had some ideas, but the ideas were fluid and just floated around um, as I had searched and searched and searched and searched. I'd find something, I can make that do this and this and this. That's worth having. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the black couch in the corner. Yeah. Um, that was a hideous, um, maroon lounge with kids crayon all over it. Mm-hmm. And, but it was free. Family was moving out at a, a three piece couch. They were moving out. And, uh, so I went and picked that up and found out you can paint couches. What? You can paint them. What's it made of? Um, that's the, the standard, um, you know, velour, big. Wait, uh, what do you what do you, you know, paint big, it with? You know, the, the big wog couch, what it's yeah, made out yeah. of. <laughs> you can't use that word, Peter. But anyway, <laughs> you can when you live in Fairfield. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, how do you paint oh, velour? All, all my friends were wogs when I was growing up. It's right. fine. I, I almost am one. Uh, <laughs> How do you paint velour? 
Um, you go to Super Cheap Autos or Repco. Yeah. And you get the Duplicolor um, spray cans for car interiors. The second-hand car yards, when you get that car that looks all, oh, geez, the interior looks good. Right. Because they've painted it. But how do you do how, – how, is it spray, a spray? It's a spray can. Right. And you just spray it on. And, and that, uh, that ugly couch with the texter marks all over it suddenly became this sexy black you know, thing that the girls just adore, and the timber was just brush on black enamel paint. Wait, so when you sit on that cat, what, so how does the actual um, material look after it's painted? It's a little bit crunchy at crunchy, first. Crunchy, yeah. But um, after uh, I hit it with like a little scrubbing brush. Uh-huh. And after a few uses, it's as soft as it ever was. And it just Fantastic. looks like a normal couch. Yeah, but, but now it's black instead of dirty old maroon colour. I've never heard of that. Me either. That's now my favourite tip ever, Peter. There you go. Wow. So, yeah, if you see an old ugly old chair on the, the footpath, chuck it in the back of your car, go down to Repco and paint it any colour you like. I've got this wingback chair that I've had for ages, like 40 years. Right. I'm going to do that. Do it. I'm going to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good tip. Yeah, for, for a wingback chair, for a good coat, get two cans. Yeah. You cover it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, you know, you know, I bang on about hard rubbish a lot here in Melbourne. So people mm. throw out their old couches and things and you drive by and you go, wow, that would be a great couch, but I don't like beige, right? Yes. Yes. So if so, if you see a crusty beige couch that you or a chair that you mm-hmm. think would make a good prop, you yeah. can use this technique. Yes, and you can paint it black or red or white or, or whatever. Some people even use chalk paint. What's that? that? What you'd use for chalkboards? No, it's a paint that actually has some sort of chalk in it. Uh-huh. It, and it gives that old sort of weathered farmhouse furniture look. I haven't tried it but apparently you can paint furniture with that as well. And that means you can paint any colour that Dulux can mix it. My God, that's amazing. You're, yeah. you're like the king of MacGyvering stuff. <laughs> um, what else have you MacGyvered in here that, that in this studio? What other tips like that have you got? Oh, I see the panelling now. It's just pine panelling, the just vertical panelling. Yeah. Some, some, um, I bought the paint... Ages ago, yeah, um, and it's pretty much eighteen percent grey, right? Which makes white balance so easy. Yeah, you just click on the wall. And so, have you thought to make the um, the bricks like the, the the bricks that you painted over? What do they look like now? Because I'm trying to find. Are oh, they just bricks that are <laughs> painted just over? Yeah, just plain building. So, normal. did you think of doing that rustic? Um, you know, sort of crumbling brick look where there's a, some exposed and – or it doesn't really suit the style, does it? I think on the corner where the window is, that mm. would probably work. Yep. I haven't worked out how to do it yet. Right. The sandblasted look, I think it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, at, like, do you know what you kind of ended up spending for this? Including everything, like four four strobes and the floor and the everything, 
I don't think I would have spent $1,500. What? Yeah. That's amazing. If you saw this space, it's just like this high-end hotel room. It really is. So all the furniture, all the paint, obviously it's your labour. Um, mm. uh, and the curtains, where did you score those? So you've got these heavy grey curtains, again, good for oh, white we'll probably balance. have to add a little bit for those. I did add another $200 for the curtains. They're from right. Ikea. So under 2,000 Australian. Well, well under 2,000. Australian. Yeah. Which is like so fifty said, dollars everywhere, you know. Yeah, yeah, about three fifty in America. <laughs> Amazing! And so, out of this whole experience, Peter, what would you um, do differently, and what are you most proud of? I never would have painted it white the first time I did it, mm-hmm. and we put white curtains where the grey one is. Yeah, because it's so hard to control your light. It is. If you're and, doing, and what, if you're so doing why is that? Do you want to just explain like that? So you've got white ceiling, white walls, and then you've got a softbox in that sort of space. What happens? Yeah. If you're doing happy family portraits, yep. it's, it's fantastic because it just fills every shadow. Yep. But if you want to make shadows, mm. it makes it really tough. Right. So then you you've know, got to have like negative fill. You need blacks yeah, and cutters and things like that. Yeah, you black sheets and stuff everywhere, and it just became too hard. Yep. The grey is a sort of a, a middle ground uh-huh. and uh, it's just so much more fun to play with light when you can shape it. Yes. What else would you do differently? <sighs> Probably not a lot. I don't think I'd do a lot differently. Looking back, it, it's kind of where I need it to be. I. Going back, I'd like to go back, 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 back in time. I wouldn't just buy everything I see on eBay to modify my light. Uh-huh. I would get one. Yep. And I'd learn how to use it. Yep. And decide if I like it. Yep. And I'd keep it. And then I'd get something else. Right. And I'd go through that process again. Yes. Instead of just buying everything and trying everything all at once until your brain explodes and lighting's hard. And so if you were advising, say, a new photographer who's maybe even got a one single car garage or a large lounge room or something and they want to convert it into a home studio, what, what, what do you think are the basics that you would need to have to fit that space out without having to renovate or, you know, build walls and things like that? What, what, what are the basics? I think you would need either a plain wall if you don't have a plain wall, a simple background stand mm-hmm. with uh, paper's nice to use, but it's a little bit pricey. Mm. Um, mine are the non-woven backgrounds. We call it non-woven fabric, yeah. which is like your second best. It doesn't crease very much. Yep. Um, it rolls up nice and neat. Has it got a texture so, to it? It does. Yeah. Do you find um, they it, absorb a, a lot of the light? That's what I yeah, sort of stopped yeah. using them for that reason because it, it's it just does. like you couldn't get a clean white. It does. It, mm. There's no substitute for that proper paper. Mm. Um, but I'm also a bit rough with things. I, I, can't, I can't have nice things, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that guy. <laughs> um, so the paper roll would just be trashed in, in one. I'd have to, you know. I'd use three metres of paper on every shoot and I'd have yeah. to pass that cost on. Right. So I went with the other one. Yep. 
It's good stuff um, if you've knocked stuff around and yeah, uh, if you've yeah. got people standing on it, you get like a lot more uses out of that. that, yeah. that um, and it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah. So I'll have to stick with that for now. Um, so you'd need that. I'd say like get one, one studio strobe. Mm-hmm. Um, that you just seem to get a better quality of light off a bulb than a, a flash. Yeah. And, Have you and, tried the Godox with the, the bulb I, on that? I'm their biggest fan. So have you got the AD200 that you can I've switch the bulb out? Yeah. Aren't they amazing? Yeah. I've got so, them and their, and their speed light. Yeah. And use it all together. It's brilliant. So, so the thing about studio lighting is you can pick up an absolute bargain. You can pick up a studio light for maybe 100 bucks. Yeah. If you look on um, eBay and the Facebook markets and things like that used and you, often you'll get a light stand and maybe even a modifier thrown in. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I highly recommend if you've got time and are prepared to drive across town because, as you said, it's usually at the other side of town. Oh, it's then, always on the other yeah, side of town. Uh, that's a good way to start out with, uh, you know, investing in gear. So aside from that, what, what sort of um, – uh, space do you need uh, to shoot in? Width and length would be ideal for a home studio as at a minimum. At a minimum, if you're just doing headshots and, and couples and you know, family groups of three, if you've got close to three metres from them. Yep. Um, what's that, about 12 feet? Mm-hmm. About 12 feet. And if you've got, geez, you only need two metres, six feet, eight you, feet wide. If you're shooting with a long lens, you don't need a lot of um, a no, long focal sh- length. You don't need a yeah. lot of width either. Yeah. I mean, when I was using our, our rumpus slash dining room, i just push all the furniture to the side. Yeah. And, and just shoot down the tunnel. Yeah. That's fine. Exactly. It's, it, you don't need that much space. Uh, and if you've got the and, – and I've found uh, like there was um, this – TV shoots that I've done where they've set me up in the green room and uh, to get the length I've just been out the, out the door so that mm. I'm shot into the room. So there's all these sorts of little hacks that you can do like that. Yeah. If you've got a small space at mm. home, you can make it work. Anytime you do corporate headshots, I always stick you in the corner of the boardroom. Always. Always. And so there's like often I'm setting up in corridors for those, yeah. which work really well because you've got the length and then you've got the space um, behind the people. So um, that works very well. So um, the the did did you say what were you most proud of in your fit out? I would say the wall is my proudest moment. The vertical always, timber the vertical or, wall. Yeah, I've always been a metal worker. I was a welder by trade. Right. And I can make anything out of steel, but woodworking was always sort of my dad's domain and I just left him to it because it yep. was always a disaster. But I actually built something out of wood that looks like someone else made it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm pretty happy with that. And with the, these like, you know, things like painting rooms, um, you know, putting up fake, like, I, 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 you know, in my studios I've had even fake cornices and we've built um, fake walls and I've just used, like, honestly, uh, glue and, you know, it's never going to be structurally sound, but it doesn't have to be in some no. situations. And I was also found that um, using 
material, going to our other favourite spot, Peter, Spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the ladies with the tone. The ladies with the tone. They have so much <laughs> attitude. But if you can brave that, that and I found, I've to, I think I've mentioned before that I changed my attitude going into Spotlight and I've gone in um, humbly to them and bow and I also tell them that I know nothing. They enjoy that. But mm-hmm. they'll be nicer to you. So you'll have a better. Be, you'll get a much it, better that's, response. That's the opposite approach I take. <laughs> so you just go in and you say, "I know nothing about this. Mm. Please help me." They're very, very helpful, and so you can actually get uh, end rolls of uh, embroidered uh, and. Um, uh, materials that make beautiful backgrounds as well, mm. and they fold down flat, and you can actually hang them up and use those to uh, have as backgrounds. That would be ideal. That would, and, and that th- then you can have like you can act, you could rig up a system where you've got them. Um, you know how when you go into a rug shop, do yeah. you know how they sell their rugs, how they're hanging, yeah, and, the, yes. and they've got that that like a. That thing that slides out. It's sl- so you can slide the the the, wa- the different panels out yeah. and change them very quickly. So in in sort of your um, studio apartment, you could have your lights set up for for one shot, and then you're just swapping out your backgrounds. Yeah. So in a one hour shoot, you could do four different backgrounds. Yeah. Using the material, and you could either have it, uh, and that's that wallpaper look. Um, and you can make something look very high end and completely change the look of a space mm. very, very cheaply. And again, on eBay and those marketplaces, you can find material very cheaply. Well, I'm right near Cabramatta where everyone gets their cheap material from. Right. Have you been to Cabramatta? Uh, p- probably. You, next time you're in Sydney, you need to go to Cabramatta with your Fuji. Yeah. Uh, you'll wet yourself with the, the street photography in Cabramatta. Is that an Italian location? No, Lots it's of... it's the it's like Chinatown. But oh, fantastic! Yeah, amazing. Yeah. It, it's oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I would I would love it. Um, amazing, Peter. That, that's like I think you. It, it's such a sensational job, and I can see how much you're loving uh, using that space. Um, and your photography is going great, guns. There's some beautiful images that you've done. Um, where can people find you if they uh, want to check out your work? Um, Peter Foot Photography on Facebook. Yep. Or dot com dot uh, com. Um, or my boudoir um, is Indulgence Photography slash Facebook slash Instagram. Fantastic. And are you still doing your workshops? I am. Mm, is that one on one, or are you doing little group? I I do both. I'll do one-on-one. One-on-one is great for the new photographer that's that's bought a nice camera and just hasn't got a clue. Yeah. And we can just – they can just pick my brains for an hour or two and we'll find out where their strengths and their weaknesses are. Uh Uh-huh. And and we work – we sort of tailor the time to go with them. Yep. Or I'll do very small workshops with a maximum of six. Yep. And I do it like you. I don't spoon feed them. Uh huh. Um, set up a shot, and here, here's the settings, and here's the shot. Now you take it. Yeah. That doesn't help anybody. If I take a shot, I take it last. Right. But I, I want them to see light. Yes. And and I remember when I was out with you that day. We're walking through Sydney, and you're just seeing light. <laughs> 
Look at that light, Peter. Look at that light there, Peter. Oh, imagine if we could put someone in there, Peter. Oh, look at that there. And like, you know, wonderment of a child. <laughs> it was beautiful, really. That's how and, you need to live your life. You just need yeah. to be eyes open. And once you see, that's the thing. You, you will never forget the day um, that you see light. Yeah. Everything changes after that and then you're constantly watching it. And I think, you know, the best thing you can do as a photographer, the best favour you can do for yourself and your future photography self is to put the flashes away, put yes. the continuous light away and just yeah. just look at daylight and get that and, right first. And have the balls to tell the client they're standing, they've picked the wrong spot. Yeah. I did a shot yesterday um, for a... Um, heavy equipment training company. They teach people to drive bobcats and um, front end loaders and stuff like that. And I said, oh, Dad wants us to line the trucks up here along the fence. I said, yeah, well, that would be okay. But you've got a mile-high mountain of dirt over there with the sun shining on it. Can we use that instead? Hmm. Oh, that might work. Well, let's just try it and see what we think. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a great shot. Yeah. Well, that's having the confidence to tell the client, but also you've got to know what you're looking for, mm. right? If you if you can't see it, then you're never going to see it. So it's yeah. just like going in with a plan and then being confident in how you uh, sell that to the client. You're going to get it across the line. Yeah, so, and you would have – a lot of people will resonate with that. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> there comes a time where you get so busy you don't have time to fix it in post anymore. Yep. yep. So you just got to think ahead of time. If fix it in post is going to take longer than thirty seconds, we're not doing it. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good way to live and shoot. I think and try and mm. get it beautiful in camera, and then you can take it to the next level in post with yeah. not a lot of effort. Um, exactly. So Peter, we have um, Aussie slang word of the week, and I think because I've got. Uh, Aussie, Aussie ass. <laughs> um, I thought I'd ask you for your Aussie slang word of the week. What, sure. what do you want it to be? It's a phrase. I mean, you've Dana. dropped about 20 through the entire yeah, conversation. Uh, you, you can take the boy out of Blacktown, but you know, once a bogan, it, it's glued on you. Right. Um, don't be a raw prawn. Don't be a raw prawn. What does that mean? You haven't. You're at the barbecue and everybody's having the prawn salad, prawn cocktail, um, <laughs> or you know, it might be curry prawns, and someone's going to get the one that's not cooked right. Right. And it, it just makes you a bit crook. There's another one. Right, crook. Make, make you feel unwell. <laughs> yeah. So Don't being a that. raw prawn, you're the unwell one in the bunch? or Yeah, you're, you're the one that's just not spoiling quite the right. Rest. Oh, you're spoiling. You're, you're so... spoiling the dish. Okay, so you're letting everyone else down by being yes. um, uh, difficult or yeah. whining or whinging mm -hmm. or the raw yeah. prawn in the group. Don't be yeah, a raw the, the prawn. the one that doesn't want to be a team player. You don't want not being a team player. All right, so um, hopefully I will uh, get some good responses with that. Put that in a sentence this week, guys. Don't be a raw prawn. That's a good insult for your fellow workers uh, as you buy the water cooler this week. The, the, the entrance on the Central Coast, that was their T-shirt. Oh, really? Yeah, because of the big prawning community up there. <laughs> I love Australia. Um <laughs> 
Peter, I've loved speaking with you today. You too. Thanks so much. I wish you uh, nothing but success in the future and Thank you. Uh, looking forward to seeing where you go from here. Thanks very much. Take care. There we go, Peter Foote. I love all of those tips and hacks. I, he's just a natural MacGyver, isn't he? Yeah. I particularly like the fabric spray for the sofa because how handy is that? I know. It's brilliant. Oh, so clever. I never even knew that you could do that. I know. Very clever. Now, Peter did um, give us, already give us the um, Aussie slang term of the week, which is don't (laughs) come the raw prawn, but there's kind of a a couple of other meanings. So he gave his meaning, and I just want to um, come back to that. (laughs) I need to clarify an Aussie slang term. It's like we're so highbrow, Val, aren't we? (laughs) Yes. So um, he was saying, like, don't be a bit off. Don't be the off person in the group. But it's like – and and, and, and there's – other descriptions so it's kind of a deep one um don't come the raw prawn or yes. don't come the raw prawn with me um yes. and it's it, it's basically means don't try and put one over me or don't yes. treat me like a fool you know yep. so you, it it says that you're aware that someone's trying to you know take advantage of you and yeah, rather yeah P- peter peter's um use of it it was was slightly different where it's like you know don't don't be the odd one in the in the group you know because a raw yes. prawn if goes off in the sun yeah so that, <laughs> there's quite a few uses do you so, ever do you ever say this I've phrase? never said it. it's a bit of that, that one's a bit uh, uh, yeah. it might be a queen he's a he's a northern he's, he's a queensland boy i think so that's yeah. quite an old one and it's you like, feel you know, like you'd hear it at the rsl you know, yes, with yes. Tomo, Tomo, talking Dave, about Dave. Don't you know, come the raw prawn with me, mate. Telling you a tall story, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, Dave yeah. says, "Don't come the raw prawn." <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? And we never say put a shrimp on the barbie. By the way, no, we, no one it's ever never, says no that. No one ever in says Australia. that was made up. I've never heard that word, so I don't just think that you come here and say someone will tell you to put a shrimp on the barbie. Never done it. Yes, and Gina's got some notes saying that some sources say it is a World War II Australian Army expression. As to why it arose, one suggestion is that the reason lies in cooked prawn being more palatable than raw prawn. However, anyone from a fishing background who has handled raw prawn flesh will know that it is limp, wet and slippery, like the sort of people at whom this phrase is directed. There you go. You sound like you sound. This sounds like my other podcast. So you want to be a writer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you started out like you know, you weren't an artist when you started this, and so you'll be a, like a, a fully fledged uh, photographer. And I'm just going to start writing books, and then we'll swap, and I'll just yeah, start okay. podcasting with um, All right. Al. Okay, cool. All right, fantastic. So um, see if you can use it in a sentence this week, listeners, especially if you are not from Australia, don't come the raw prawn with me. All right. (laughs) Some funny looks. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing this coming week, Gina? Oh, um, I am in pre-production for a shoot this week and then I'm away for the weekend and working on, um, I just actually finished recording all the CCs, so they'll go up tomorrow. Uh, That's the constructive critiques for for the goal community. For people who are in the goal community and giving them feedback on their awesome pictures. All right, where do we find you online, 
GinaMilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And then you can also, if you want to take your photography to the next level, uh, and welcome to all the new goldies coming on board. It's very exciting seeing all these uh, new people from all over the world. Uh, mm. and, and all like all levels of photography. So if you are a mum with young kids and you just want to take better photos of your kids, then we've got uh, people at that level in the community or you are a professional photographer and you want to take your photography up a, a few notches. You might be, uh, we've had some daylight photographers joining that now want to take their photography next level and learn Fantastic. how to do studio lighting or event photographers that want to move to the next level. We've got all levels. Come and check out the joint, the goal community. I'd love to work with you guys. So you just go to genomilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You can find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 